Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Joining us today is Carl Erickson, MD, MPH. He's an assistant professor of pediatrics in the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon. Dr. Erickson is with us today to discuss his article, Risk Factors for Mechanical Ventilation in United States Children Hospitalized with Seasonal Influenza and 2009 Pandemic Influenza A, H1N1, published in November 2012, Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Erickson. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Carl, as we uh, probably most of us remember, the H1N1 pandemic was a striking event that taught us a lot about preparing for pandemics and mass disasters. Um, And we learned some important differences between seasonal influenza and the H1N1 pandemic influenza. Um, You want to give us some background for your study and what set you up to do this study? Sure. The CDC started systematically tracking and reporting influenza deaths in 2004 after a particularly bad season when there were a very high number of pediatric deaths. And since then, it's become apparent that there are somewhere between about 40 and 150 children dying every year from seasonal influenza infections. As um, we all were made aware, pandemic influenza outbreaks can cause much higher numbers of severe outcomes. Um, The most notable example really uh, being the 1918 Spanish flu, which killed at least 20 million people worldwide. In 2009, um, the uh, new uh, strain of uh, H1N1 influenza emerged and uh, caused a global pandemic. And early in the course of that pandemic, there were reports from Mexico and from the Southern Hemisphere about young, previously healthy people getting sick and dying in very high numbers. And given this, there was concern that 2009 H1N1, like the 1918 Spanish flu, would cause very high mortality. The main question we were interested in was how much more severe was 2009 H1N1 than a regular seasonal flu epidemic? Um, Similar to what often happens with a new pandemic strain of influenza, children didn't really have effective antibodies against 2009 H1N1, and um, early in the pandemic especially, there was no vaccine. So uh, we expected a high number of cases of influenza, But the question was whether the outcomes in children were more severe than uh, during a usual uh, seasonal influenza epidemic. Um, We were interested in looking at the um, clinical outcomes of children hospitalized with influenza, specifically who gets respiratory failure uh, requiring mechanical ventilator support. And um, this was important because um, uh, early in the 2009 H1N1 pandemic, um, there was concern that we would run out of mechanical ventilators and may not be able to serve the needs of um, all of the patients who may develop respiratory failure uh, during the pandemic. So our specific question was, did we see more respiratory failure requiring mechanical ventilator support among children that were hospitalized with 2009 H1N1 than we would expect during a seasonal epidemic? And um, in order to answer this question, we looked at the records of patients who were discharged with a uh, discharge diagnosis of influenza from 43 large children's hospitals in the U.S. Um, These hospitals participate in a uh, database um, called the Pediatric Health Information System, or PHIS, 
The um, FIS database is very large, um, and it uh, represents about 15% of all pediatric discharges in the U.S. Um, using the database, we compared children who were admitted during three regular influenza seasons um, from 2006 through the spring of 2009 to children who were admitted during the 2009 H1N1 pandemic. Uh, in the children with seasonal flu, we found risk factors for respiratory failure requiring mechanical ventilation, and we used those risk factors to predict how much mechanical ventilator use we would expect in our population of patients admitted during the 2009 H1N1 pandemic. We then compared that prediction to the actual observed cases of mechanical ventilation uh, in our data set. And we assume that if 2009 H1N1 was a more severe virus, after adjusting for those patient factors that we had identified that put patients at increased risk, we would see an increased proportion of patients who required mechanical ventilation compared to a usual influenza season. So what did you find when you did this study? Well, our first major finding was, as we expected, that the 2009 H1N1 pandemic caused a very large number of hospitalizations. Our study included just over 20,000 admissions, and almost 10,000 of them were during the 2009 H1N1 uh, H1N1 pandemic. Um, So in other words, there were almost as many hospitalizations in that one uh, 2009 H1N1 season as there were during the three prior influenza seasons combined. Hmm. Now, There were some differences between patients admitted with 2009 H1N1 and seasonal flu. The um, patients with 2009 H1N1 were older uh, with a median age of five years compared to just under two years for patients with seasonal flu. And um, the patients with 2009 H1N1 were more likely to have asthma and uh, they were more likely to be diagnosed with bacterial pneumonia. In terms of who got mechanical ventilation, we found that the risk factors were actually very similar in both cohorts. Um, Certain underlying chronic diseases were especially important risk factors for mechanical ventilation, and the um, chronic diseases that stood out the most were neurological disease, which includes Mm -hmm. uh, children with neuromuscular conditions, heart disease, liver disease, and also non-asthma chronic lung disease. Children with those conditions were between two and four times as likely to have required mechanical ventilation as children uh, who didn't have those conditions. Although asthma was not a risk factor for mechanical ventilation. Yeah, that is correct. Asthma uh, actually appeared to be a protective factor among children who were hospitalized. Um, We um, also found that a diagnosis of bacterial pneumonia increased the odds of mechanical ventilation almost sixfold. Um, So those factors uh, that I uh, mentioned were uh, all important not only for seasonal flu, but also in uh, 2009 H1N1. And using those risk factors and based on our experiences uh, with seasonal flu during those three seasons, we predicted how many patients we'd expect to get mechanical ventilation during the 2009 H1N1 period. And surprisingly, after we adjusted for those patient risk factors, patients who were admitted uh, with 2009 H1N1 were no more likely to require mechanical ventilation than patients with seasonal flu. And in fact, the proportion of children with 2009 H1N1 who uh, needed mechanical ventilation was about 25% less than we predicted based on what happened during the seasonal influenza epidemics. So why do you think that happened? Well, 
I think one potential clue here is the sheer number of patients hospitalized during the 2009 H1N1 period. Um, Given this very high number of hospitalizations, it's possible that the threshold for admitting patients during the pandemic period was lower. Um, And that would have resulted in a cohort of hospitalized patients with a lower risk of severe influenza-related complications than what we would normally see during an influenza season. It's also possible that there was more influenza testing um, during the pandemic and uh, that testing before the pandemic had generally been done on sicker patients. And um, that uh, could also have led to a higher proportion of patients who were at a comparatively low risk of severe complications during the pandemic. Another explanation um, is that um, patients uh, during the pandemic may have been admitted earlier in their course, and um, that may have decreased their complication rate for some of those patients. So, in other words, um, it's possible that changed behavior by medical providers during the pandemic was partly responsible for our finding. Were you able to look at how many children were admitted to the PICU in either of those cohorts? We were. The, um, uh, the percentages of children admitted to the PICU were actually very similar. It was uh, right around 20% in, uh, uh, in uh, both uh, time periods. Just fewer needed mechanical ventilation relative to what you expected in the H1N1 group. Exactly. Hmm. What about the use of antiviral treatment? Well, uh, as... Um, might be expected uh, because the CDC and other advisory groups were strongly recommending use of influenza antivirals in hospitalized patients during the pandemic. Um, We saw that uh, antiviral treatment increased significantly. Um, During the seasonal epidemics, only about 20% of patients who were admitted were given anti-influenza treatment, but uh, that number jumped to 70% during the pandemic. Now, um, in the New York Times, there was uh, recently a discussion uh, uh, regarding concerns by um, a group of Cochrane reviewers that the data supporting the CDC recommendation uh, may not be all that strong. What we saw here is that during the pandemic, um, doctors who uh, were caring for most of these patients uh, were doing what the CDC recommends, which is to give antiviral uh, treatment to all hospitalized patients with confirmed or suspected influenza infection. Now, We also looked at whether influenza antiviral treatment had any effect in our population. Um, We weren't able to look at antiviral treatment before patients were hospitalized, but we did look at whether influenza antiviral use during the hospitalization decreased the risk of respiratory failure requiring mechanical ventilation. And when we did this analysis, um, we excluded the patients who were intubated on the first or second day of their hospitalization because we weren't sure that uh, into, uh, antiviral medication that was started on admission would have helped them avoid mechanical ventilation. And in um, this group of patients, we found that if um, patients either with seasonal flu or with 2009 H1N1 were given antiviral medications against influenza early in their hospitalization, the risk of requiring mechanical ventilator support on the third hospital day or later was significantly decreased. And that effect was especially strong during the pandemic when influenza antiviral use lowered the odds of late respiratory failure requiring mechanical ventilation by over 75%. How does this information help us um, looking ahead for future either seasonal influenza um, years or potentially new epidemics such as another H1N1 or similar sort of thing? 
Well, uh, one of our most important findings is um, that influenza antiviral treatment uh, was strongly associated with decreased risk of late-onset respiratory failure requiring mechanical ventilation. And um, that finding strongly supports the current CDC recommendation, which is to give influenza antiviral treatment to any children hospitalized with confirmed or presumed influenza. Now, um, I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, this is an observational study and it's not a randomized trial, which would obviously have been the strongest study designed to definitively answer this question. Um, however, I think it would be very difficult and uh, uh, especially expensive to perform a prospective study of this number of patients in this number of hospitals, uh, especially during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Our findings um, are uh, also based on an administrative data set, which um, has several limitations. Uh, I think the most important uh, one is that we looked at patients who had a discharge diagnosis of influenza, which is based on clinical diagnosis and practice patterns rather than a systematic method of diagnosis. So this means that it's quite likely that not everyone in our study had a positive influenza test. And we determined bacterial pneumonia the same way, and uh, it's likely that not every patient had their pneumonia diagnosed according to the same criteria. Um, in addition to the issue of, uh, of diagnosis, um, there's always the risk with administrative data of either miscoded or incomplete information. Now, the FIS database is subject to a high, to a significant uh, quality checks, but that risk is always going to be there. Um, on the other hand, a major strength of our study is that uh, by using an administrative data set, uh, we were able to generate uh, generate a really huge data set um, with 10,000 patients discharged from the hospital with influenza uh, during both the seasonal flu and pandemic periods. And that the size of that data set allowed us to identify some very important associations, like the decrease in late-onset respiratory failure that we saw within, uh, with influenza antiviral medication use. The major criticism of the CDC recommendation is uh, to, to give uh, influenza antiviral medication to hospitalized patients is that there isn't enough data to support that recommendation. Um, and our findings, even though they come from an observational study and not a randomized trial, do support that uh, CDC recommendation to give early treatment um, of hospitalized patients uh, with uh, influenza antiviral medications. One more thing that the study may allow us to do is that we um, now know um, what uh, some of the major risk factors for mechanical ventilation is in hospitalized children, and that can give us a way to evaluate the severity of different influenza strains, and that in turn may give us the ability during another pandemic to predict the need for mechanical ventilators. Um, However, the most important lesson from our study, uh, we feel, is that that our findings support the current CDC recommendation of early influenza antiviral treatment for patients hospitalized with influenza. The influenza season is essentially the same as the RSV season, and we get, uh, and I suspect most PICUs, get a lot of febrile kids with assorted respiratory viral syndrome symptoms during the winter time and you know we routinely test them all for both RSV and for influenza uh, A and B um, would you then recommend that we treat those children all with um, antivirals while we're waiting for the uh, definitive tests to come back 
Well, the recommendation uh, from the CDC is that children with both uh, documented and presumed influenza illness be treated with influenza antivirals. And um, uh, given the uh, the risk of severe outcomes with um, hospitalized influenza and given the relationship that we saw with early influenza antiviral use and decreased respiratory failure, I think that's a uh, prudent recommendation. Yeah, it seems the antivirals have relative, are relatively benign drugs exactly. to use. Um, the severity of seasonal influenza varies greatly from season to season. Do you think that that should affect the way we approach it, or we should just, you know, basically any child that we think might have a reasonably likely uh, chance of having influenza should just get antivirals? on hospital admission? Um, That's an interesting question. I think even though the severity um, of influenza varies pretty significantly, once we are taking care of patients who are uh, hospitalized with influenza, and uh, in this case children hospitalized with influenza, we're, we're dealing with a subset that for whatever reason is already in the category of patients who are severely ill. And for that reason, um, I would say uh, I, I would uh, recommend that we would treat them as if uh, whatever strain of influenza they had was um, affecting them very severely. And uh, I would be um, as aggressive even in a uh, mild season as in uh, a pandemic or a more, uh, uh, or a more severe um, epidemic season. I think that's a very important point as we head into our next influenza season. Do you have any final comments you'd like to make? Um, Yeah, I think there are three really important points for clinicians to take away from this. Uh, The first point I need to emphasize, and it's one we haven't talked about yet, is the importance of influenza vaccination. Vaccination is really the only effective method that we have right now to prevent influenza infection. Um, and all children six months or older should be vaccinated for influenza every year. But in high-risk groups, it's especially important. Um, we saw during the 2010-2011 flu season that just over half of eligible children were vaccinated. So we can still make major improvements in our rates of influenza vaccination. And uh, uh, this is an important area for clinicians to focus on, um, especially uh, clinicians caring for high-risk patients. The second major take-home point is um, if a patient's ill enough to be hospitalized with influenza-related complications, as uh, we've talked about, our study supports early initiation of influenza antiviral treatment. Um, Like I said, we've found evidence that early use of influenza antivirals decreased the proportion of patients who had late respiratory failure. And lastly, Um, I want to highlight uh, the importance of bacterial co-infection. Even going back as far as the 1918 pandemic, bacterial co-infection, and especially uh, co-infection with Staph aureus, has consistently been linked to severe outcomes in patients with influenza. Um, uh, uh, My co-authors, Drs. Randolph and Iwecki, did a prospective study of 
critically ill children with 2009 H1N1 and found that um, methicillin-resistant Staph aureus or MRSA lung infection was a major risk factor for mortality. In our study, we found bacterial pneumonia was a risk factor for respiratory failure that required mechanical ventilation, and that was true both during seasonal influenza outbreaks and the pandemic. And uh, the most common organism that was isolated in our study was Staph aureus. So given the risk of worse outcomes in patients with bacterial infection, especially in patients with Staph aureus, those patients who are very ill or progressing toward respiratory failure should uh, be treated early with antibiotics, and uh, um, those antibiotics should cover MRSA. Thank you very much for talking with us today, Carl. Thank you. It's uh, been a pleasure. We have been talking with Dr. Carl Erickson from Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon, discussing the article, Risk Factors for Mechanical Ventilation in U.S. Children Hospitalized with Seasonal Influenza and 2009 Pandemic Influenza A, H1N1, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in November 2012. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. You can now find us on Stitcher and Beyond Pod as well as on iTunes. For the iCriticalCare podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. Experience the true beauty of the Caribbean at SCCM's 42nd Critical Care Congress to be held January 19th to 23rd, 2013 in San Juan, Puerto Rico. From the breathtaking sunsets and shimmering beaches to the ancient caves and cool mountainous subtropical rainforests, Puerto Rico provides a vast canvas of diverse environments and unrivaled natural wonders. Surrender to the charm of island life at the 2013 Congress, where more than 4,000 critical care professionals will come together to advance the mission of providing the best possible care to critically ill and injured patients. Register today at www.sccm.org slash congress. Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM, serves as an associate editor for the iCritical Care Podcasts. Dr. Parker is professor of pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York and is the director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University Medical Center. A former president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Parker is involved in quality improvement and standardization of care in the pediatric ICU, as well as resident education. Her clinical interests include severe sepsis and septic shock in children. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members.